Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. But when you learn that you're missing this like part of you that is meant to define a woman, you have you question it and you're like, wait, so like, am I, am I less of a woman now, right? Like you start questioning it. Hey, Carly. How are you? I'm good. We're like all like <laughs> energized. I know. The last week's episode, our intro was like, mom, mom. We were kind of in a low. Yeah, but we just had two like amazing interviews today and yeah. we're busy, busy, but it was great. Yeah, it was really good. How was your week last week? My week was good. It was the last week where my children aren't home. So, yeah. That's fun. RIP having. RIP my. Alone time. Yeah. Ever. For a whole summer. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we're going to try and coordinate childcare for this summer mm-hmm. between like your mom and your brother-in-law and sister-in-law mm-hmm. and me. I'll try and, and squeeze in some time. Yeah. I'm not working every day. So. Yeah. I remember summer as a kid. I feel like my parents just went to work. Like, oh, I yeah. They used to have. I feel like now I see some problems with this. I can't remember what they were called, but at these big city parks, like there was a big field down by my house Mm -hmm. and these city of Calgary, like free camps. Mm. And it was just like a tent and it would be some teenagers in Mark t-shirts and they would, they would facilitate activities. But you just show up or not. That sounds so shady. Yeah. It was real shady. (laughs) Just a tent and a kid and (laughs) a man in a trench coat. I don't know. It seemed fine. Down by the river. But that was no. That we was we just we yeah. We just wandered around. We'd go to the store. Yeah. We'd you know go to our friend's house. We didn't have anyone watching us. Yeah. But uh, I mean, my my older two are okay, but my six year old likes to get into things. So yeah, she's she needs creative. a lot of attention, and she's very creative. So if I leave her alone for too long, everything I own will be glued to each other with glitter. With glitter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so that's anyways. all right. So yeah. it's the start of summer. I do have a funny story, though. Yeah, I know. Tell me. <laughs> this is going to make me sound like the worst mother. Oh, my God. The truth finally comes Okay, out. so my daughter, Julia, can have a lot of anxiety. Yes. And it can be a lot sometimes. It's a lot. She's working through it. Like, she's getting she's help. She's great. But <laughs> it's a lot. Yes. And when she's tired, it's worse. So the other night I was putting her to bed, and she was really freaked out about any little noise that she heard. Oh, no. And it was like, what was that? What was that? I'm like, it's nothing. Like, and, and I get frustrated because I'm like, just go to bed. Like, yeah. just, so. We, like, you have anxiety, but it presents way differently. Yes. And I think her anxiety is really triggering for it you. It definitely is. Mm-hmm. So I set it, so I set a timer with Google for one minute each so I can like snuggle them. Yeah. And then I go upstairs. So I set a timer for one minute and Google made a weird noise. <laughs> it was like a different chime than normal. Right. And I had already gone through this whole thing with her about what's that sound and what's that sound and what's this. And I was done. 
And so she's like, what was that? Why did Google make a sound? I'm like, it's just an alarm. <laughs> she's like, but what was that? I'm like, it is Google's um, murder mode. <laughs> and I said, you are the worst. And I said, when it makes that noise, it muses. <laughs> Michelle Marie night. <gasps> and... Um, One of the chapters in her book is going to be called When It Comes Alive at Night. Yeah, and so karma bit me in the ass, and she had a nightmare about Google coming to life. Jesus Christ, Michelle. And she came in my room. I was just done. I cannot <laughs> believe you. It's so awful, but I was so frustrated. Yeah, I mean, we don't all make the best parenting choices in our frustration. It was bad. It was bad. And then she told me about the nightmare in the morning, and I could not stop laughing. Oh, my God. How was your week? Uh, it was pretty terrible. I thought I'd cry when oh I told Oh, God, I forgot. I oh, no. I sound like a terrible person so, now. thanks, Michelle. Uh, no, I talked last week about our cat Milo um, having cancer, mm. and he went downhill super fast and Lindy and I had to make the call to help him cross the rainbow bridge. Little kitty heaven. Yeah. But he had a really good last day. He got all the treats all day, Mm -hmm. whenever he wanted. And it was a really nice day. So Lindy had him on a little harness and spent the day outside with him and he loved it. And then were all the other cats jealous? Yeah. Every time he got fed, they were like, um, hello. Uh, Hello. And then we like sobbed and then we have the most lovely vet Uh and she offered to come to our house and do it there rather Uh than us having to transport him. And she was just so like kind and respectful and lovely and like nothing was rushed and it was, I don't know, I like that's the way I want to go. I want somebody to give me the best day of my life. Let me eat whatever I want. Yeah. And then I want some nice lady to come over. (laughs) And I want to be cuddled while I go to sleep. Done. Consider it done. You are on notice if things go south. (laughs) But then, so we're like sobbing. Like we are, like Milo's in Lindy's arms. We are out of hand sobbing. And all the dogs were gone. We got them taken care of by other people. And so then the vet, you know, she takes a stethoscope and she's like, I'm just going to make sure, check for a heartbeat. And... She slides it up, and she's like, okay, there's no more heartbeat. And in that moment, like it was choreographed, our one cat, Shade, got up, did a stretch, sauntered across the living room, and started eating. (laughs) She's got one of these dishes that reads like a chip in in her collar, and so it opens when she puts her head through. And we burst out laughing. We were like, thanks, Shade. Thank you for that, for giving us She's this. She's like, I know you guys are mourning, but I'm super hungry. So could, if I could just if I could just squeeze in it here was, for a second. It was so funny. Oh, my god. Yeah. So I had a really sad Wednesday, Thursday. And then Saturday, I went for a 16-kilometer bike ride. That's amazing. We got up at 8 and like got there before mm-hmm. we're in the middle of a heat wave right now. It's going to be like 40 degrees mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. That's bananas yeah like melted bananas (gasps) Melted bananas. and so we got up early went for a bike ride and then we rushed home and got ready and we joined a crossfit Mm -hmm. box and so we had crossfit box yeah it's called a box it's not called a gym i don't know i'm trying to get in the lingo 
I did CrossFit years ago. Yeah. And I really want to get back into it. And Lindsay really wanted to try it. As if she's not perfect enough already. Jeez, oh, Lindsay, get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> and so we did a free class. She loved it. And then um, we had to do like this like fundamentals class. So they mm-hmm. teach you all the basics. So it was a good refresher for me. And um, a good reminder that I am very unfit. (laughs) But then we just, so we did three hours of CrossFit. Like we had to do a bunch of the stuff and I can barely walk now. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Well, I gained 10 pounds in the last week. (laughs) You did. (laughs) I feel like it. I got to get things back on track. Yeah. I'm trying Uh, to think if anything else happened to me this week. I don't think so. We are going to talk. I am fired up about Canada Day. Yeah. And I think Canada we need to what? talk about Who? it. Yeah. Who? Who dat? Yeah. Her? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. From what I'm hearing online, it's like, you know, canceling Canada Day is offensive to the men and women who fought for, you know, and I get that. What I'm thinking is like, could we not just like put that aside for one year mm-hmm. and, and maybe talk about the murdered children, indigenous people. Yeah. Which if it was murdered Caucasian children. Oh, there'd be the whole place would be burned down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anybody who's tuning in, who's maybe not from Canada or knowing what's going on, mm-hmm. there are um, Canada decided after colonizing um, to start residential schools, which their slogan was, take the Indian out of the child. Yeah. And so their idea was to forcibly remove indigenous children from their culture, their people, their families, their language, put them in church run institutions. And, um, they're now finding these unmarked, I don't even want to call them graves. No. Of so far. Yeah. Dumping sites of over 1300 children's bodies, Mm -hmm. indigenous children's bodies. Mm -hmm. And, um, they were unreported and they were, I mean, and the abuse that went on in these facilities anyway for those that survived was mm-hmm. atrocious. And so there's a big plight about canceling Canada Day yep. because somebody said, I read a thing on, I think I shared it on Facebook or Instagram, that was, if you knew your neighbor was having a funeral for their dead children, would you be like, we're setting off fireworks? Yeah. Um, I don't think this is a time to celebrate. I think it's a time to recognize and mourn and... Mm-hmm. It's a whole hot topic, and I think we should maybe talk about it on the Patreon. Yeah, I agree. Because I am fired up. When are you not fired up about something, Kyle? I know, lately, especially you lately. Are just on fire. Talk about You're the Duggars. Flaming homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a flaming homosexual who is fired up about. Yeah. Britney Spears conservatorship. <gasps> Britney Spears. Uh, oh, don't even get me started. We all owe Britney Spears Duggars. a friggin' apology. The Duggars. You know, I just have a lot of feelings. And I think we're going to take this opportunity on our Patreon on Friday to just uncensored talking about it. Hashtag free Britney. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Awful. So if you guys are like, hey, uh, what are they talking about? Our Patreon is a $5 monthly subscription where you get access to over 30, instant access to over 33 bonus episodes. It might be more. It might be 34. I should be so bold as to say they are incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Most of (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've gotten real life feedback from real life people telling us that our Patreon is the taters. 
<laughs> the tits, the bee's knees, <laughs> the tater tots. Anywho. Anyways, go to patreon.com slash I did not sign up for this, but sign up for it. Yeah, like I know we're called I did not sign up for this, but in this case, you're going to sign up for it. literally want you to sign up for it. And you are going to hear lots of crazy stories. We're going to talk about Carling's coming out, Carling's marriage. Um, My near kidnapping. Your near kidnapping, me being robbed. Oh, yeah. You got um, robbed. A bunch of a bunch of things. A whole bunch of things. And then we have a bunch of guests that uh, yeah. wanted to keep their stories just for the Patreon. So it's a little bit more exclusive. Yep. Um, and so that's great. Totes. So this week we're talking to ashley yes who was so lovely lovely we say that as this about every guest it's like a standard obviously we wouldn't be talking to them if they weren't lovely <laughs> so you guys i hope you have a great week and enjoy this episode yeah okay bye bye hello ashley hello how are you I'm good. How are you? Good. We are excited to be chatting with you today. It's like a beautiful Sunday. I guess you, what's the weather like in Ontario? It is beautiful today. It's really hot and humid. Um, I actually just got in from going for a, a jog with my boyfriend and I'm still like slightly sweaty and haven't cooled down yet. <laughs> God, so yeah, definitely, definitely a warm day. I love that. And yeah, I think that's the one thing about Alberta. It's so dry here. Like, it's hot, but it's so dry. That sounds way better. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah. The honestly, thing- living, growing up in Ontario and sticking to, like, everything you sit down on. And yeah, that's mm-hmm. fair. It's so humid. It, it, it really gets to you. Do you know what I like, though, is there's less dust. Yeah, it's true. There like, in your dust. house, like, I grew up, or I have family in Manitoba, and, like, everything's not so dusty. Yeah, here, it is it's very like, dusty here. Yeah. Okay. Six of one, half a dozen of another, I guess. Um, great. Well, we found you on TikTok and we were so excited that you answered our message and were interested in being on our podcast. We're always so shy and nervous when we first reach out to people. Um, and yeah, so, so thank you, first of all, for saying yes to being on our little show. No problem. Um, so I think I'm not even going to try to explain because I already got the acronym wrong or like the letters <laughs> wrong. Um, why don't we just dive right in and have you introduce yourself? Tell us a bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How old you are? Where you're from? What you do? Um, and then we'll kind of get into your story. Yeah. So uh, my name is Ashley. I am from Ontario, Canada, and um, I am. I will actually be 25 next week. Oh my and, god! Happy <laughs> yeah, early so, birthday. Yeah, a COVID birthday again. Damn it! Like. <laughs> Um, and I'm actually a banquet director, um, which is not a good business to be in right now. Um, yeah, we're mostly I guess just, so. We're doing takeout. <laughs> We've kind of transitioned away from events and are surviving on takeout. So that's been interesting. Um, but I was born with Mayor Rokitansky Kuster Hauser syndrome, oh which gets God. shortened to MRKH, obviously, because that's way easier to pronounce. Yeah. Um, the only the, the thing with the name is that it's just it was all the doctors that wanted to take credit for it. So it's like four doctors' names that wanted to be in the name, and it just made it this ridiculous long name that nobody wants to say. That's fine. Um, I often wonder. I'm like, why do these names get – like, <laughs> I, it never occurred to me that, yeah, I guess it would be after the doctors that discovered it or – Yeah. 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 Um, but basically what it means is that I was born with underdeveloped reproductive organs. That's kind of like the easiest way to put it. 
Um, and the reason for that is because it varies from like person to person who is born with it. It's, it's all different symptoms and like um, the word syndrome, that's kind of what it means. It's just like a bunch of symptoms that fit together and like keep happening. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's kind of how that's categorized. So for me personally, I was born um, with a very underdeveloped uterus. Um, it's just like the size of a cherry where it's supposed to be the size of a pear. And oh, wow. um, it's basically just a muscle mass that floats around and is doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's so just like, have, we're not quite sure where we want to be. We'll just like, yeah, it's like a, a tumor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have an underdeveloped uterus and then it's not really connected to anything. I don't have a cervix and I also wasn't born with my vaginal canal. So it's just kind of a, an empty abdominal cavity with two healthy ovaries that have nothing to, to do. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's yeah. so interesting. And does that fall under the category of intersex? It Okay. So that's, I, I can get in trouble for this in the MRKH community because it's oh, actually still something that people um, argue about. <laughs> oh. It's almost taboo per se. Like for me personally, I looked up the definition of intersex and I do believe that it fits under that category. Yeah. So I do, I'm okay with identifying as intersex, but when I was younger, absolutely not. Like I was like, I do not want anything to do with that term. Yeah. I, I want to be in my womanhood and that right. it almost felt like it kind of took it away. Um, and I think that's something a lot of people with MRKH struggle with is because we grew up thinking we were women and we are. Yeah. Um, but when you learn that you're missing this like part of you that is meant to define a woman, you have you question it and you're like wait so like am I am I less of a woman now right like Uh, you start questioning it so when I first heard the term intersex I definitely got my back up and was like hell no Um, but then when I kind of grew and had kind of come to terms with the condition and my womanhood and kind of re-looked at the definition of it I was like oh well it's not taking anything away it's just saying that I don't fit the typical definition of a like a female um anatomically Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I do identify as intersex, but I, well, I don't identify as intersex. I consider my condition intersex, but I identify as a woman. Right. It's very complicated. So yeah, (laughs) some people with MRKH identify as it, some people don't. So it's, yeah, it's up in the air a bit, but yeah. Yeah, That's like way more to unpack than I even thought. I was just like, oh, "Oh, "Oh, boy, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) No, I appreciate that. That's really interesting. And so how did you become diagnosed with this? So basically, it was what wasn't happening that got me diagnosed. It's kind of like the reverse of most diagnoses. Um, So for me, I was like a few weeks away from 16. I had developed normally pubescent-wise, but I hadn't gotten my period, and my mom was getting concerned. So she was like, okay, like you're almost 16. Like everything else is normal, but you haven't gotten your period. I think that's weird. Let's go to the doctor. And it's actually kind of funny because – my family doctor up until that point had been a very old man. Oh. <laughs> and like just before he retired and we had just gotten like a brand new female family doctor. So I was like, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> so we went into this doctor appointment and it was like, hey, nice to meet you. I'm going to ask you a bunch of really awkward questions and then I'm going to look at your private parts. Oh my so God. And when you're 16, like yeah, that's was, just... Uh... super awkward yeah and she was right she asked me a bunch of very awkward questions and uh so she went through all those and she didn't really tell us much and then after the question she said like hey is it okay if I take a look down there I was hesitant but of course you don't really want to say no it's okay it was super uncomfortable yeah kind of painful 
and um, she seemed slightly confused. <laughs> oh, wow. And uh, But she didn't really say much. The only thing that I think she may have mentioned to my mom, uh, this was like nine years ago now, so I'm having trouble remembering, but I think she had said something about it seemed as though there was skin blocking my hole. So she oh. thought like maybe I would need surgery or um, maybe it was nothing kind of thing. But she uh, she sent me for blood work. She sent me for an ultrasound. Um, I got both of those done. And then my mom sat me down the night before my follow-up appointment where I would get the test results. But the doctor had actually already called my mom to give her a heads up about the test results because they, uh, they weren't good. Oh. And so my mom hadn't wanted to tell me because it was exam week. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So she didn't tell me till the night before my apartment or my appointment after exams. She sat me down um, with my family and she was like, okay, like, so here's the thing your uterus, they found out your uterus is underdeveloped. You have what's called hypoplastic uterus and uh, you'll never be able to get a period. You won't be able to carry a child. Um, so that was kind of the first smack to the face of the diagnosis. At that point, it was just hypoplastic uterus. That was all they knew. And what and is that? What is hearing like? So to yeah, be 16, when I was mm -hmm. 16, I assumed I would have kids. Yeah. Later, exactly. I would discover I was a lesbian who did not want kids. <laughs> mm -hmm. But like well, I was 16. And so I sort of put myself on this like social or this like um, societal normal yeah. trajectory of like, of course, I'll get married and have kids. Absolutely. So what yeah. is that like to hear that at 16? I it took it took me a minute to take it in. It was it was a really weird experience because being told that like I was completely in denial that anything was wrong I yeah. was like I was premature I'm very tiny like I have I'm pretty like yeah I'm I'm very petite so I was like whatever it's probably I'm a late bloomer whatever yeah and so I thought nothing was wrong and then when my mom told me that it was like I was in shock for sure and it it was weird because within me in my brain I was like okay this is bad I should be crying like why aren't I crying and then I basically forced myself to cry because I was like, I should be crying. <laughs> and then I couldn't stop. Oh, and I literally no. cried for three days straight. I have never cried so much in my life. Oh, and I think no. when I went to the doctor the next day, I swear everyone in the waiting room thought, probably thought I was dying. Because <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. I was just like in pieces. My poor family doctor, it was like, she's very new at this point, super new doctor. She walks in and sees me in like tears and doesn't know what to do. And she looks like a deer in the headlights and she kind of sits down and is like, um, so how's it, how's it going? <laughs> like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> how do you even have like, small really? talk? Yeah. 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 So, but she, she basically tried to distract me and calm me down. And then we kind of talked and she said she still wasn't really sure about um, like the opening. So then she referred me to a gynecologist. And luckily I'm so grateful to this day that the gynecologist I got referred to um, was an MRKH specialist. And they oh, are wow. very rare to find. So the fact that she was right in my city was incredible to me because I've heard so many horror stories of like people not getting names for the syndrome and bouncing around from doctor to doctor, not knowing what's wrong. And But for oh, me, I, uh, I waited the three months to get into the gynecologist. And then when I went, um, I went in, she introduced herself, super nice. And um, she just was like, okay, I'm just going to do a quick examination. She did the examination and immediately was like, yep, so you have MRKH syndrome. And wow. um, then she told me that I didn't have a vagina. And that was like the second punch to the face. It was I was not expecting that either. So it was just a whole other whirlwind um, and meltdown that happened. But at yeah. that point, I had like the full condition um, in my hands. I was told that if I wanted to create a vagina, that it was possible. 
and that she would kind of walk me through those options and yeah so it was it was a lot to take in on my 16th year yeah that's a lot well, to take in that's so much decision making as a 16 year old too yes. like how how do you even wrap your head around that and um maybe I'm wrong but I, it seems like a, a lot of people are told maybe they can't have kids until they're they've tried mm-hmm. for a few years and they're later, you know, yeah. they're older. Mm-hmm. Um, but to hear that such a definitive like, yeah, this is what it is at that age. Yeah, I can't and it even was it was really that. intense. What I think the what killed me the most was the way that she worded it because she literally said it will be impossible for you to carry a child. Oh. So to hear a doctor say the word impossible, yeah, like somebody yeah. that scientific, I was devastated um, that there was just no chance. Um, and that actually has been proven otherwise nowadays. Um, oh. And she probably couldn't have predicted this, so I definitely don't have any like negative thoughts towards her. But yeah. uh, there are now uterus transplants available. And there's been, uh, last time I checked, there's been at least 14 successful uterus transplants where a baby has been born and has been healthy. So it is not no longer impossible for people with MRKH to be able to bear children, which is really cool. Um, but they're still super experimental. Like, I'm definitely not interested in doing it. But yeah. I'm, it's just incredible how, like, technology has come forward in the last 10 years. That Yeah, that's incredible. Do you often find... So I told a couple, like often my friends will be like, oh, like, who are you interviewing this week? Um, Mm -hmm. And the amount of times that I've had to, and I think I probably didn't really know until I watched a lot of your videos, Mm -hmm. people assume the vagina is everything from external to internal. Yes. Oh my goodness. And you give a lot of anatomy lessons because people were like, (laughs) oh, what? And I'm like, okay, well, no, there's like, there's the labia, there's the outside organs, but like there's... I think somebody was, one of my friends was like, well, how does she pee? And I'm like, okay, yep. well, she, she's got a urethra. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, do you just walk we around have been with like. failed at this in, in school. I know. Time. I really, I can't remember. Like I'm thinking back to, I don't know, grade four when like sex ed mm-hmm. or health started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember learning about all the differences. But yeah, do you feel like you're giving, you're just like a walking anatomy lesson where you're like, okay, let me explain. (laughs) Literally, it's crazy. Like, so when I first started, um, when I posted that first video that went viral and reached uh, half a million people, that was the most common question. I had two things that were the most common comments. The first one was, how do you pee? Oh my God. And the second one was, so you're a Barbie. (laughs) (laughs) and so the next videos I did were okay here's the thing here's my anatomy like a vagina is literally only only internal yeah the vagina is not everything down there like there's a vulva and that's totally different from a vagina so yeah I still to this day get comments asking me how I pee (laughs) I'm like I pee the the same way as everyone else Oh and my people, gosh. they also say like, well, how did you not know? And I'm like, I, I, I can't see inside my body. And I didn't exactly like go exploring. <laughs> and like my parents too, because people are like, well, how did your parents not notice? And I'm like, the, everything's very small. First of all, when you're a baby and they're wiping your um, bum when you have a poopy. But yeah, um, yeah. like, first of all, everything's very small. And second of all, the vagina hole is also very small and you don't go looking for it. So yeah, yeah, that that's one thing I was wondering, like, would it have been, should it have been, or could it have been detected in utero, like just in an ultrasound when you were, when your mom was pregnant? I don't think so because everything's internal. So unless they could see through my 
like yeah, that's what abdominal I when yeah. I'm in utero. But that is where it happens. Like it is a congenital condition. So basically it's a genetic mutation where there's just like a hiccup while we're developing. And they know exactly like when it happens. And it's oh. interesting because basically when it happens, everything that's developing at that time can be affected. And that's why it's a syndrome where like it varies on what all is affected from person to person. Okay. Um, so there's actually two types of MRKH. Type one is where only the reproductive organs are affected. So that's how, um, that's the type that I have. But yeah. type two MRKH is where other um, functions in the body are also affected. People with MRKH type two can have kidney problems. They might be missing a kidney. Skeletal problems like scoliosis are very common. Um, oh. Hearing loss, heart problems. Like there's so many, everything that's developing at that time is at risk basically. Wow. Yeah. And that's why my ovaries are totally fine. It's because the ovaries actually develop at a different time than the uterus and all of the vaginal tissues and whatnot. So my ovaries are fine because they were developing at a totally different time. This might be really random, but <laughs> do ovaries become testicles? This is like Carling learning about... Or is it the other way around? <laughs> I don't know. No, because testicles know. drop. I gotta look this up. Because I think I remember learning like in baby development, like yeah. in utero. I know there's like a point where everything like decides what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Your body's like making some decisions. Yeah, so it must be after yeah. that. Because at that point, there are, when the uterus is developing, obviously, that'd be beyond the, the time where yeah. they're switched. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to dig into this. Yeah, now yeah. I'm curious. Because <laughs> I know that the clitoris becomes the penis. Yeah. So I, anyway. Okay. And I do have a clitoris. <laughs> people, people ask me that, too. Like, oh, well, do you feel pleasure? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I have a clitoris and all the nerve endings and everything. Yeah. So. Huh. so you're 16 Walk us through what kind of decisions did you have to make at that time? Or did you? Was it just sort of like, this is just something, here are your options going forward? Like, was there hormones or? Mm -hmm. So for me, and again, this is just personally my experience. A lot of people experience this differently. And I am very grateful that I had a, like a pretty good experience. Whereas other people actually get kind of pushed into having to make a choice when really at the age of 16, there is no choice that needs to be made at that time. Um, it can be left for years because I know I did that personally. Um, but basically, my doctor had said um, that she recommended that I do dilation treatment to create a vaginal canal if that's what I wanted to do. And she said that if I couldn't find success doing that treatment, that then she might consider surgery um, to create a vagina. But okay. um, at that point, I was 16. It was still pretty overwhelming. And just the the fact that I could create a vagina myself was still pretty daunting to me. <laughs> yeah, that feels like a big task. <laughs> yeah, it was like, wait, what? Like, I, I'm i going to be the one creating this? Like, oh, it was, it was a lot to wrap my head around. You're but... like, that is not my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big job at 16. But yeah. um, at that point, like, I was kind of a, I want to call myself a late bloomer in the, like, sexual desire kind of aspect of things. Yeah. At that point, I still just thought that sex was gross and I hadn't really had any serious boyfriends or anything so I was like well I don't really need a vagina right now so I was like I'm yeah. just gonna put it on the back burner um the one thing I did do is she did teach me how to dilate at like I was basically seeing a gynecologist like once a month for the first year because there was so much information and she wanted to make sure I was doing okay so I did go to the appointment where she taught me how to dilate um, yeah. and I don't think I've actually explained what dilation is yet so I will say it's basically a dilator is kind of like a, a tube um, mine were plastic, and you would put it in the spot where the vagina should be, 
and yeah. you basically just put pressure on it for 20 minutes like every single day and eventually the skin will stretch and create like an internal canal. Wow. Is there pain involved in that? It's okay. So the doctors, <laughs> they say it should be uncomfortable, but not painful. But okay. the more pressure that you put, the like sooner and better it will stretch basically. But you also, I've, I learned that you do have to be careful because if you stretch it too fast, too quickly, it can tear, which happened to me. Oh, no. um, I have not heard of that happening to very many people, but I want to throw that out there because I definitely want anybody who can to avoid that situation because it was yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's kind of how dilation works. And now I forget what your original question was. <laughs> uh, oh, we were just talking about decisions that you oh, sort yes. of had to make that at that age. Yeah. So I went to the dilation appointment and from there it was kind of like once you learn something, you kind of want to learn how to apply it. So I actually did do a few sessions of dilating and I really had to kind of adjust to even touching that part of my body because I had yeah. never really even looked with a mirror down there. Yeah. So um, I did start dilating, but I only did a few sessions up to where I did it for 20 minutes straight, which is what you're supposed to do. It took me a while to even be able to do that just because mm. it was all very overwhelming emotionally and physically. Yeah. Um, and then once I did it, I was like, okay, and now I don't want to do it anymore. So then I just <laughs> kind of put it away, and I left it for four years. <laughs> wow. Yeah, until I met my current boyfriend, and that was when I decided that, okay, now that I have somebody who's worth dilating for. Yeah, you really Aww, have to decide. Put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so did you tell your friends and family? In my mind, I'm like, they don't need to they know, but also yeah. it's not something that is shameful. So how yeah. did you navigate that? So like, obviously my intimate family, like my mom and my dad knew I did have a younger sister at the time. She's seven years younger than me. So at oh, 16, wow. she was like, just coming into like puberty. But so we kind of kept it like, very vague. We didn't really tell her anything until like yeah. a year or two later when she was more um, older. <laughs> yeah. I never personally told any of my family members. I kind of just left it up to my mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, fair. she'll probably tell them and they'll know and it'll be fine. I told some of my close friends, but my mom was very hesitant for me to tell anybody because she was like, you're in high school, rumors will spread. It's not yeah. something you should be telling anybody. So I didn't tell a whole lot of people. I just told like the friends that I hung out with so they knew. And then I just slowly become more out about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With your peer group, did you feel, I don't know, like left out that they were all getting their periods and talking about periods and that just wasn't something that you had experienced? Yeah, definitely. And what was hardest for me, I think, was because I never got the period, I never got to celebrate entering womanhood. Like, mm. I, it, this is silly, but I had had this thing that I wanted to, like, play man, I feel like a woman when I got my period. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that was, like, my goal was, like, when I get my period, I'm going to play this song and I'm going to celebrate. And then I just, like, never got to do it. So I think uh. I just, one day I just put it on anyways and was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah, today's um, the day. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I really never knew when I started ovulating because I didn't really get any signs. I've had a very mild um, puberty per se. Like my sister, she was nuts. She had mood swings like crazy. But, <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I just, I don't think my mom probably even knows when I may have started because I, I just, I yeah, I got really mild symptoms. Nothing. I, my mood, like mood swings were there obviously, but I was a teenager. So so it, yeah, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't drastic by any means. So yeah, I never really knew when my period started. And then yeah, just high school in general was really hard. Um, people talking about periods or um, I know for a lot of people with MRKH, they fear like people asking them for a tampon or a pad or something because they're like, oh. well, I definitely don't have one of those. 
Yeah, and, right. Um, some people would actually carry tampons or pads in case somebody asked them. Like I've heard of people with MRPH doing that just so they feel more included. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so wow. that was hard. So how does how does having MRKH impact your life? Oh, I had that question on TikTok the other day, and I didn't know how to answer it. Um, <laughs> it impacts me. I would say, like, on a positive note, it made me a lot more in tune and grateful of what I do have. Mm-hmm. Um, learning that you've lost something that you took for granted was the hardest thing I've ever had to face. And mm. it just made me realize how many things we do assume that we'll be able to do and have and take for granted. Um, so that was, like, one positive that came out of it was just the awareness to really respect, like, what your body can do. The other way it's impacted my life would be just the fact that I did have to create a vagina. Yeah. (laughs) That was a really negative experience for me. It was quite traumatic. And I didn't realize how traumatic it was until I went into sex therapy last year and unloaded all of it. And the therapist obviously like broke down the wall I had built that I didn't know I had built. And it was like really tough for a few months, like having to kind of unload all of that. Yeah. Um, Wow. That's interesting yeah yeah and then like the infertility aspect obviously I face triggers on a daily basis I did a little TikTok video about that as well just kind of letting people know like the little things that happen on a day that kind of uh can trigger me like I've come a long way they I have a a far less triggers than I used to but like at the beginning when I was 16 and I had just learned all of it Seeing a pregnant woman, like, even there was a song that came on while I was doing dishes one time um, with arms wide open. I was doing the dishes, and I didn't realize what the song was about. And then I started listening to the lyrics more and realized. And just the the lyric that said, we've created life, like, I lost it. I was literally doing the dishes, just, like, sobbing, because I was like, oh, my God, I didn't realize what this song meant and the fact that I'll never be able to, like, experience that. And, oh, that's so yeah, hard. and just like accidentally walking through the maternity section at Walmart, like mm-hmm. there are so many things that people don't realize, like even just pregnancy posters, like by the bar that say like "Don't drink if you're pregnant," and like yeah. Yeah, all the yeah. little things. Yeah, so yeah, there's a lot that people don't realize that can be triggering to someone. But then yeah. I also don't want people to like completely shelter me either, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a fine line. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Absolutely. And it's like, was there, would you describe it as like a grief that you went through for sort of the future or possibility that you thought you'd have? Absolutely. Um, the best line that I came up with to describe it would be that I was grieving a child I would never give birth to. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was just kind of something I assumed that I would be able to do. And actually, one thing that you said made a lot of sense to me as well and I oh I totally had it now it's gone oh I know what it was I am grateful that I did find out as early as I did that's what it was um when you said that like oh yeah most people don't find out they're infertile until they're trying and I honestly think that would have been way worse because I've had so much time to come to terms with my infertility that now I I've already kind of come up with a plan in my head as to how I'm going to face it when I do want kids so like my boyfriend I'm my boyfriend and I have been able to plan and have started saving for the like having a baby process of like IVF or adoption. Mm-hmm. So Aww. most people wouldn't be able to do that until yeah. they go to the infertility specialist and learn that they may or may not be able to conceive. Yeah. So absolutely. for me, I am actually quite grateful that I was told right from the get go that no, you're not going to be able to carry a child. So I was given the opportunity to kind of 
go through my grief and have years to come to terms with it before having to um, build a family. Right. That yeah. totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Is it um, more typical for people who have MRKH that they do find out at a younger age because they are missing their periods? Or do you know kind of what the what the range is of, of age that people find out? Yeah, so it does vary a bit, but I'd say that most of us do get diagnosed because we don't get a period. So usually between like 14 and 17, I'd say, would be the most prominent ages. Right. But there are also cases where like with people who have type 2 MRKH, because there are other things wrong, sometimes they learn earlier, like if they're having kidney problems or okay. um, there are even, I think, cases where bladders have problems and whatnot. There are like other really bad health problems obviously they find out sooner even I think there was one who found out when she was an infant but um, then there are other cases where it goes unnoticed for years because either the the woman doesn't want to go to the doctor or the doctors don't think anything's wrong or something like that where they don't get diagnosed until they're in their 20s yeah and is so you talk about having a boyfriend what was Mm -hmm. that like at what point do you bring that up obviously it impacts your ability Mm -hmm. to be intimate like because you hadn't done the dilation yet yeah so um I was pretty open with my boyfriends I would kind of tell them pretty soon into it just because I personally feel like MRKH has a huge impact on my life and to not tell somebody about it is just like it feels like I'm hiding an entirely like a whole part of me so I told um so my boyfriend's name is Michael I told Michael within the first month and um, he was really receptive to it. He he said, he's very honest with me, which I love. So he said to me, he was like, yeah, I absolutely had to consider and like weigh the options kind of thing. Like, is she worth it or not? Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and he chose that I was worth it. So, and I think that MRKH actually gives us the opportunity to weed out the bad men. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Because when you drop that kind of bomb, like, absolutely, it's a huge thing. Yeah. And some men are not up for it. So I, yeah, I like to get it over with early like late enough that I know that I can trust them because trust is a huge thing and I've definitely had the kind of um, boyfriend that has like said mean things about it Um, once like I broke up with him and then he just like went mental and started throwing MRKH at me and all these like insults so that was kind of the only bad experience I've had by disclosing it but for the most part every guy I've told has been very nice about it and has said that like it doesn't affect the relationship or anything and it does affect the relationship but honestly I think it made us stronger because um I've been through so much since being with him we've been together for four and a half years I started the dilation process after three months of being with him that was kind of the goal I had set for myself was okay like if I last three, I was, I never had long-term relationships. So I was like, <laughs> okay, if I last three months with him and like, then I know that there's something there and I'll start dilating. And that's what I did. And so he's literally been there for like the entire process. And I unfortunately did have a lot of things go wrong. So he's been there for me when that has happened as well, which has been super great. So. Wow. Oh, that's so great. I have no, all my dignity has been lost with him because it's like, he's seen me at my worst. My, uh, my gynecologist, I don't know if you can totally edit this out if this is TMI, but my gynecologist was hilarious. Um, she was the nicest person you'd ever meet. And we would like joke around with each other. And I started bringing Michael to my appointments when we got to that point. Cause I'm like, you need to know about this and like what's going on because this is going to affect our intimacy and whatnot. Yeah. So I'd bring him to my appointments and he was a total champ. Like he's not phased by anything. And the one time 
Um, I learned, so I had mentioned that I did tear at one point um, through the dilation process. I had gone in and to have her kind of take a look at it because things were getting really painful. And she was like, okay, I think we need to cauterize it. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I'd prefer Michael to be here so I can hold his hand. So she went and got Michael and she's like, do you want me to like show him? And I'm like, sure. I I don't know. (laughs) I didn't really know entirely what she meant. Well, she took Michael and brought him around and showed him my intimate details. I was like, so you can see here how the skin is frayed and blah, blah, blah. And you can see that this is what's happening to her and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like red in the face, like, oh my God, oh my <laughs> what is God. happening? And I, when we left the appointment, I was like, will you ever see me as sexy ever again? <laughs> and he was like, oh yeah, like no worries kind of thing. He was like, I will say I was a little surprised that she went into detail, but uh, he was like, no, it's fine. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, it was oh, the most funny. embarrassing thing, but he it was does sound like funny. a good guy yeah yeah the keeper yeah to be able to like have that experience and laugh about it after is really good yeah yeah and he was like it really was educational so he's like no like I actually learned a lot and I'm like okay cool (laughs) (laughs) um how did you guys meet so because I'm an introvert I'm terrible at socializing so at 20 I ended up getting the plenty of fish app (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) so I started online dating (laughs) yeah I had heard some success stories before from it so I'm like okay let's try this one and um yeah online dating is very overwhelming for women oh my goodness yeah yeah but um yeah so he was I think the third person third or fourth person that I had met with in person we met at my favorite brunch restaurant which is egg skis I don't I feel like it's only in Ontario and Quebec oh yeah I've never heard of it no we haven't yeah we don't have that it's, it's delicious so I went there and we ended up talking for four hours. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So at that point, being an introvert, especially, I was like, okay, well, that was different. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I couldn't believe that we had talked that long. And yeah, so I kind of knew something was different at that point. And I was still like meeting other men in person. Like I was, obviously, it was all very casual. So yeah. I was kind of meeting other men. And then I just kind of stopped like seeing the other men at that point I think after our second date I was like okay let's ignore all the others kind of thing yeah um and yeah so after a month I think we knew there was definitely like something there oh that's really nice Mm -hmm. um so we already talked about finding you on TikTok but why did you decide to take your story to social media and TikTok specifically so it's kind of been a gradual thing where I've just slowly become more and more open about MRKH. I kind of knew as a teenager after getting diagnosed with it that I would want to become more open about it. It's just kind of like the person I am where I'm very honest about everything and it drives some people crazy. Yeah. But yeah, so I was pretty hush-hush about it in high school. In college, I like slowly started telling people, but it was still very gradual at that point. And then I kind of just dove right in at the end of college and took a leap. Um, I was part of this event where um, people were kind of sharing their stories. It was called a human library. Um, And people were basically classified as books. And it was a fundraiser where people would come in, you would sit down with a person and they would tell you their story. And that's um, so interesting. Yeah, it was part of my public relations and event management class that we were all supposed to run fundraisers. And this was one that someone had chosen for um, a charity. And they were struggling to find books, uh, human books. And I was sitting there like, okay, like I know that I've wanted to become an advocate at some point and I know I have a story to tell, but do I want to do it? So I kind of reached out to the organizer and I said, look, this is my story. I have not become open about it yet, but 
I feel like I do want to. And she was like, this is amazing. You definitely should do it. I'm like, okay. And I had an anxiety attack the day of the event. (laughs) Um, But I did do it. And it was, I came away from it shaking, but I was like, oh my God, that was the most empowering thing I've ever done. So from that point on, I was kind of hooked. So I started becoming more open about it. And I think I eventually posted to Facebook about it. And um, then over the past year, I've started getting more into TikTok. And I was like, I should definitely like do this. And then I saw the perfect opportunity. It was one of those TikToks where you stitch it when somebody like asks a question, everybody answers. And it was like, tell us something about yourself that sounds false, but is absolutely true. And I'm like, well, I mean, the fact that I don't have a vagina. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of opens the door for for all of it. (laughs) And I knew like, I knew I would need something that really stood out to get TikTok's attention and to make it go viral. And I'm like, okay, we'll see if this takes. So I did it. I posted it. And yeah, it literally took off. And I was shocked. And it reached half a million people. And I'm like, wow, okay, I guess that did it. And wow. people still seem very interested. So I keep posting educational videos about it. And uh, yeah, I get lots of good comments, lots, lots of immature comments. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to say, what's what are some of the most ridiculous things people say or have asked you? So... On the first, I'll break it down by videos. On the first video, the one that was most annoying was people asking me for a reveal. Oh, Oh, God. Oh, yes. Show us. I won't believe you till you prove it. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, first of all, I look the same as everybody else. Yeah. (laughs) You would have to zoom in, magnify, like, (laughs) to be able to even notice the difference. And men wouldn't even notice the difference. Yeah. That tells me those people (laughs) don't know basic human anatomy. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one of the ones that was annoying. Um, the Barbie comment I got a lot um, and actually one that I totally called out um, I made a video yesterday was I've been posting more about the dilation process and the fact that I had to create a vagina and um, one of the things with dilation is it's um, I, I almost say it's like shaving because once you start you got to keep doing it right so um, once you reach full length and width you can stop dilating every day but you still need to maintain it um, doctors recommend that you um, maintain it once a week so whether that be through dilation or intercourse right and now I have men offering me their dicks no. to help with the process of dilation oh, and I'm like God. really <laughs> uh, we have a we have a sticker for our podcast that just says ugh men yeah and like yes. this applies ugh yeah. men Seriously. except for Michael he seems great Michael's great yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so the, the most worst. inappropriate one oh. I've gotten that was that I literally called out in a TikTok video this week was, "Can I put my ten inches in ya? I'll help." Oh, oh my lord, God. that is just yes. awful. First of all, yep. prove it. Yeah, second of all, spin that one around. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. You've talked a little bit about sort of when you got diagnosed and sort of some of the triggers day to day. How do you stay positive or how do you make sure you're taking care of your mental health? Yeah, so I've learned a lot through therapy. Yeah, we <laughs> love therapy. Yes. Cognitive <laughs> behavior and all that. Um, I know that it's it's really funny with therapy too because you don't realize it's working until like months after. Um, so for me, the one exercise that I think worked that I didn't realize had worked was my uh, my therapist at the time, she had me, my homework was to write out all the things that I thought I was missing. So like all the experiences and whatnot that I felt that I couldn't have. And so I brought that in and she went through the list and just like counteracted every single one of them. Oh, wow. Uh, or as many as she could. And that was kind of when I realized that I really wasn't missing out on as much as I thought I was. Uh-huh. And so that helped me hugely with so many of my triggers because I would just, I've just gotten into a habit now of kind of spinning it around. 
And one thing that I've changed as well is my language. And I try to point this out to other um, people struggling with infertility as well. Instead of saying, I can't have kids, well, I can have kids. That's totally not out of the question. I can have kids. I just can't have them in the conventional way is how I like to phrase it. Right. Right. So just kind of spinning that and like, I'm very much a planner. So like the fact that I can put a plan in place to be able to try and overcome some of the obstacles that I will face, like saving up for a baby and whatnot and planning for the IVF journey and stuff like that. So it's kind of just the planner in me helps. And um, and then like other coping strategies, just like self-care routines, taking care of yourself, letting me feel the emotions, journaling. I definitely like had a diary that I would write down feelings in and that definitely helps. So and hugging my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Touch therapy. <laughs> yeah. The biggest thing for me, too, that I forgot to mention that really helped my mental health, because I actually didn't go into therapy until like three or four years after the diagnosis, I don't think. I, w- I handled it pretty well, actually, apart from like constant meltdowns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the one thing that was pointed out to me was because I was really struggling. It was like once a month, I would have these huge meltdowns. And my doctor was like, have you tracked them? I'm like, what? She was like, yeah, have you tracked your meltdowns? I'm like, no. And she's like, well, you realize that could just be PMS symptoms. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not crazy. Because obviously, I never know when I'm ovulating. Yeah, that's very true. I ended up tracking them. And sure enough, it was like the same week in each month. I'm like, oh. (laughs) So that, yeah, that made me feel a little less crazy. Definitely like letting myself feel the emotions. Um, is something I do or try to do. Was there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about? Like, I think the one thing that I like to personally emphasize because I feel like it gets misconstrued and people can interpret this in different ways. I just do want to say that, like, it does only happen to biologically female people. Right. Um, One of the rumors that can spread is, like, oh, you're trans, you're a hermaphrodite, stuff like that. So I just want to make it clear that it is biologically female people who do get the syndrome. But one thing that was pointed out to me this year that is totally true is that not all people with MRKH may identify as a woman either because oh, right. they, they too may end up being trans or bisexual or, or gay or whatever. Yeah, so for yeah. me personally, I do still identify as a woman and I, was, I consider myself born as a woman. So yeah, that's kind of one thing that I like to point out. I think that's really interesting because you're right. I think a lot of people just make assumptions. And I saw one of your TikToks where somebody had said, so you're a trans woman. (laughs) And you were like, well, no, just because you have MRKH doesn't define your sexuality or your gender identity. Yeah. It's just impacts biological part that assigned you female at birth. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, we'll make sure to link your TikTok. And are you on Instagram as well? I am, but it's unfortunately it's a private account because oh, okay. um, yeah. I had somebody try to hack it once. So, oh. <laughs> God, people are the worst. Well, we will <laughs> we will link your TikTok because I think yeah, the videos you post are amazing and really informative. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, one thing I didn't mention was the the stats on it. So if oh, I yeah. yeah, one in five thousand women, which is interesting because it's really not that rare. No, it's yeah, not. I was gonna wow. like that's not like one in five thousand is a lot. That's yeah, it it's is, not yeah. one in a million, it's not one in a hundred thousand, it's literally one in five thousand. So wow. the fact that people don't know about it is what amazes me, especially because so many doctors don't even know about it. Yeah. I cannot wow. tell you the amount of healthcare providers or medical professionals that I've had to explain my condition to is uh, astronomical so yeah for me like spreading awareness I really want to reach the medical community because it's frustrating as a patient to go in and have people not understand your condition when they're the ones who should be understanding it 
Absolutely. Do you have a community? Like, is there a community on Facebook or on TikTok? Yes. So um, right when I was diagnosed, my gynecologist referred me to the Boston Children's Hospital because they do an online chat every month. Um, Actually, I think they're doing it biweekly now, which is great. So I actually went on to that. And through that, um, I met other girls with the syndrome and they referred me to Facebook where one girl had started like a private Facebook group so nobody could see that you're like in it or anything. Mm -hmm. So I joined that. At the time, it had like 20 members, like it was brand new. And now it has over, I think, over 300 members in it, I think. Um, And then there's also like there's public ones, there's private ones, there's closed ones, like there's a group for everybody now, which is great. So I heavily relied on those groups and connecting with other people with MRKH to heal and to cope and to ask questions. So yeah, that was that was huge for my mental health as well. I actually met one of my best friends through one of those groups. Oh, that's, oh, that's so awesome. Nice. Wow. Yeah. That's so great. Well, this has been I don't know, educational. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, this is really interesting. Thank you so much for taking the time on your weekend to talk to us and yeah. and explain this to us. Yeah, no problem. Awesome. Well, we'll let you get back to your day and say hi to Michael and (laughs) tell tell him he's awesome. Yeah, tell him we approve. (laughs) And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you guys so much. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey, Michelle. Hello. Do you feel like you know so much more about the female anatomy now? I do. It makes me realize so much. Yeah, it really makes me realize that, like, what did school teach us? Oh, God. Because I did not know a lot of things. No. Um, But I did learn, I mentioned in the podcast that I have to look it up, that you're you're assigned gender at birth, and I use this term lightly um, because it's different than gender identity, Mm -hmm. but depends on like XY chromosomes or whatever, like pretty early on in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. But by seven weeks, all fetuses, fetuses, Feti, feti. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> have what did they call it? Like a like a pelvic nubbin. Mm-hmm. Yes, a bud. Yes, and then depending on which way it goes, mm-hmm. those things like ovaries become testicles. Yep, clitoris becomes penis. Yep, or yeah. Anyway, so for those that Thank didn't know, the... like me, <laughs> <Let's see. laughs> I found it very interesting. I was watching an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and they were having a, instead of calling it a gender reveal party, they called it a sex reveal party. Like, why are you just staring at me like well, that? I don't get it. What do you mean? Because you're not, so a gender reveal is like, are they a boy or a girl? Right. But they're saying sex reveal as in what is the anatomical sex that they were born with. Right. That almost makes me also uncomfortable because like, Let's throw a party to talk about your baby's genitals. Well, I mean, I have a whole issue with gender reveal parties as it is. Because what I don't understand is, has anyone gone to a gender reveal party or seen one and been disappointed? Like, it's it's always the same result. Everyone's cheering and jumping up and down and clapping. So, like, what? Like, why don't we reveal through birth that it is a healthy baby? Yeah. And just focus on that. Yeah. And not raising idiot to me it's just like what you're not i don't know it's like you're you're cheering for a penis yeah this is what i'm saying <laughs> i weird. hate this whole idea of revealing i remember you know back before i sort of was more educated um on the issue asking some friends who were expecting a baby and i said oh my god do you know what you're having and they were like a baby yeah and i was like i know but like 
you know, is it a boy or a girl? What, what are they packing? Like, yeah. that's just so and, weird. Yeah, and they were like, you want to know about my baby's genitals? And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Not when you say it like that. <laughs> yeah, and oh, so yeah. now I just, like, I hate that. And, I mean, not to mention that they, like, gender reveal parties have, like, burned down forests. And oh, like, Actually literally died. killed people. Yeah. 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 That's I did crazy. see one of, like, this little girl was holding a big balloon, mm-hmm. and then the parents were going to pop it. Yeah. And she was having a tantrum because... Oh, did she Kids let it go? Ki- yeah, she let it go. <gasps> and it floated up to the sky. Oh, my God. To, wreck- to kill a turtle to later. To kill a turtle yeah. later. <laughs> the turtle was like, it was a girl that killed me. <laughs> yeah, I just like, oh, I know. I get the excitement of like, oh, like, mm-hmm. am I having a boy or a girl? Like, I kind of get that. But I also think like if you really break it down. Mm-hmm. What we're celebrating is the exterior genitals. Yes. Of a small newborn baby. Yes. It's very strange. <laughs> and I don't like it. <laughs> so. But you know what I do like in baby showers? What? When you do the diaper game where you melt a different chocolate I bar. I hate that. I love it. It's so, disgusting. I know because it looks like poop. Oh, it's so gross. I feel like we're very jittery. We're very buzzed, and now we're going to get ice cream. I know. Well, I'm not going to have any ice cream. (gasps) Listen, I'm down eight pounds. I'm feeling good. Well, I'm up ten, so let's just keep (laughs) shooting for the stars here. (laughs) Oh, God. I hope uh, everybody has a really great week ahead. And I hope that you follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Patreon, and anywhere else you decide. Yeah. Even if you just see us on the street, just follow us around. My God. Do you think that one day that would happen? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Probably not. Tia Tia will see us in Safeway and be like, oh my God, girls. Okay, Tia, if you see us from a distance, take a paparazzi shot and then post it and be like, OMG, I just saw the ladies. You know what? On a side tangent, I would, I always wonder like what it would be like to be famous to like have paparazzi Mm. after you. But I don't look good candid. Oh, God. Neither do I. My profile's not great. I make (sighs) stupid faces without thinking it. It would be atrocious. It would be so bad. I look good, like, at a selfie level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Well. That's it. Yeah. We're getting our photos done next week. Because you thought, (laughs) hey, we should book a photographer to do some promotional photos. She knows our angles. She's a professional. <laughs> Marie, you are on notice. Lord help you us. shoot from above and nowhere else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Have a great week. We love you. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Or on Friday if you're part of our Patreon. <gasps> Side note. Bye. 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 <laughs>